So Money episode 1029, Caleb Williams, founder and CEO of Better Wealth. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. ROR for us, it doesn't actually stand for rate of return. ROR stands for return on result. And I think this time, while it's devastating, I, the light that I see is I'm, I'm really hoping that people get super clear on what they want out of life. Welcome to So Money, everybody. April 13th, 2020. I hear birds chirping outside and I wish I could be out there with them. But instead, I'm here bringing you content and I'm happy about that. I really am, especially about today's episode. We have a guest on who, one of my youngest guests ever, 24-year-old Caleb Williams, who is the founder and CEO of Better Wealth. It's a company that's committed to showing people how to have more efficiency and control over their money while maximizing their future wealth potential. Advice we all need right now, right? And Caleb is a bit of a phenom when it comes to finance. When he was little, he read every financial book he could get his hands on. When he was in college, he was promoted to take over the entire investment division at a local community bank. He traveled the country for years learning from top financial experts, and he's now the founder of his own company, helping people with their money. He's an author of a book called The And Asset. He has a podcast called Better Wealth Podcast, and he's got some advice for us right now and some real optimism. He does think this is going to be a long and difficult road. He's not denying that, but he is seeing pockets of opportunities and how we can all shift our mindset and our money to make the most of the time period. Our health obviously is the most important thing, our physical safety, our personal health. But let's face it, a lot of that is impacting our ability to live a normal life, financially normal life. And Caleb's got some advice for all of us. Here's Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams, welcome to So Money. Hey, it is a pleasure being on here. It's really good to have you on here, Caleb. Uh, I'm wondering, first off, how are you doing personally? And then we'll talk about professionally as uh, someone who helps people with their money. I have a lot of questions for you, obviously, about what you're sharing with them and your perspectives on everything that's going on. But how are you doing personally? I heard you were a little under the weather. Yeah, I mean, I overall, I'm doing well. My family's doing great. But I, like I was saying, I, I had a fever over the weekend which is a little bit crazy, especially during this time, you wonder, like, I say this sincerely, like you wonder if you're going to wake up being able to breathe. And like, so it was a little bit, it was a little bit nerve wracking. Um, but I'm so grateful that I'm, I'm feeling better. And I have to say a lot of things have changed since we were together in New York just a couple months ago. Yeah, Caleb, uh, we connected uh, at my book to brand workshop. You are on your way to lots of bigger and better. You're already so accomplished, but this is just the start for you. And everybody, Caleb is quite young. And I say that with a lot of um, respect. Uh, how old are you again? I, I just turned 24. So just turned 24? Yeah. yeah. I, I thought you were 26. Here I am. I was wrong. You're 24 years old, founder and CEO of your own financial services company called Better Wealth. And you're a published author. You have a successful podcast. You have 
clients that come to you for clients of all ages, by the way, that's also really impressive is that while you are 24 years old, your clients aren't all just contemporaries. A lot of people are like my parents' age and they find a lot of value in what you have to share. And this is a really impressive too. Um, obviously you've had an appetite for this your entire life and you were, um, this is not a coincidence that you kind of arrived here, but when you were in college, you were promoted at your local bank to take over the entire investment division as a local community bank. And so what are you thinking right now? This is your first recession being as a founder and CEO of a financial company. Is this freaking you out? Um, No, uh, mainly because I knew that this was going to happen. I didn't know that this would happen through a virus. But when you look at all the behaviors going on, it, it, the writing was on the wall and you're hundred percent right. Like being 19 years old, taking over a bank's investment department. If, if you can imagine for a second, like you, you know how young I look, like I, I look like I'm 15 now. Imagine, <laughs> you know, uh, five years ago and, and people would come in and I, I had to develop a ton of empathy, a ton of empathy and, and really got down to the level of, what people really needed. And so that actually gave me a platform to, cause I wasn't, I wasn't like, I didn't know much back then. I was just grateful to get, be given the opportunity. And then I, I really went on a journey and learned from a lot of people that under, understand how wealth is created. And I'm telling you, like a lot of my mentors have been saying that this was going to happen for a while. And so, um, not, I'm grateful that our company was prepped for this and that our clients were prepped for this. And right now we're just really trying to keep like, number one, your, your physical safety is the most important thing, but then really trying to create a mindset of like, how can we, how can we create optimism and how can we take advantage, not in a bad way, but how can you take advantage of, of, you know, opportunities that might arise when there, there's a recession, um, or potentially depression. And I just want to encourage your audience that there was more millionaires made after 2008 than any other time. Yes. And, and so I, I really do believe that that coming out of this is going to be an opportunity for a lot of people listening to this. Well, let's go back to something you said, which was that you were prepared for this, um, obviously not knowing that it was going to be from the COVID-19 virus that would lead to an economic downturn. But how did you prepare? Did you start moving your clients' assets into cash? Like what, what, it doesn't really matter, but I'm just curious because at this point we can't go back in time and people can't do what you did, but I'm just curious how, what do you mean by prepared? Well, and, and I don't, and I don't, I don't say this to be like, so I have a book, as you know, the end asset, and the book is primarily based around strategies on helping you take back control of your wealth and, and really becoming your own banker in your life. And we do that through special type of insurance products. So it happened, my, none of my clients actually lost a single dime. In fact, they are now have like, they're using their capital to invest or using it as an emergency account. So we really teach our clients for principles. Number one, getting super clear on where, where they want to go, being efficient, saving their money where it's safe, and then using their money in a way that aligns with that. So I do have, do have clients that invested in businesses and real estate that right now they're a little bit worried, but none of our core assets as a, as a company and our core philosophy, like we, we don't put any of that money at risk. We want you to use capital in a way to get you closer to the life that you want to live. And our, our mission as a company is to help you live a more intentional life now in the future. So the way that we think about money and teach money, and we could talk more about that if you'd like, is very much different than the typical way, which it's totally fine. But that, what I talk about in my book is really the, the secret to not losing any money 
uh, in, in times like this. Well, let's talk about that. And I, and I want you to talk about it as simply as possible because this is a little bit more sophisticated. I've read this, this strategy in your book and I had to read it a couple times, but I got it. And I think it's worth talking about right now, especially since we're, we're, we're reconsidering everything right now, right? The tried and true, true advice that we've been practicing, while some of it I'm still very much um, adhering to and support, things like, you know, don't move around your money. Don't sell your stocks in, in a time like this. Yes. Now's the time yes. to be sort of, if you have the capacity to invest, invest, invest more. But tell me about your strategy. Yeah. And I just want to reiterate that I am not telling anyone to sell anything. In fact, yes. I'm not, I'm not huge. Like I'm not hi- highly invested and I'm like started my stock account and going to be pouring some money because I think there's some opportunities. Um, but essentially to break this down super simply, and I really appreciate you asking that is there are two, two core principles here that everyone needs to get their head around. And if you get your head around this, you'll be able to understand this principle. So there's a long-term effect to our money. And I call this time value of money. It's this idea of compound growth. Albert Einstein is, is noted for saying that it's this eighth one of the world, meaning every decision you make with your money today has a consequence. So if you start investing your money, we all know that like compound interest is a function of your money growing over time. And, and so there's a long-term aspect to our money, but so a lot of people understand that. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of people that you've interviewed are, that's, that's the message that they have, which is amazing. But another core principle that the wealthy and ba- the banks and the, you know, people that really take advantage, especially during these times, understand the power of control. And, and the idea of control is what is the value of having access to capital, access to money, to use money in a way that can um, help give your give you a greater rate of return or give you you know access to different opportunities. And when I was you know 19 years old, Arnish, I had a a, a dilemma, which is a r- very first world dilemma. I, I I didn't know if I should invest my money or if I, should I could keep it liquid and invest in myself because I knew that I was going to be an entrepreneur. And my book is just uh, just a uh, a result of my journey, learning from people, and I realized that there's that there's special type of strategies. Now, when I, when I say the word life insurance, a lot, a lot, when you think of life insurance, you think of it to protect you if something terrible happens and it's not a great place to save, invest your money. But what I, what I realized, and this is what I wrote in my book, is special type of whole life companies that you, that you can buy into and have ownership over. You can structure those contracts where you get a little, little bit of life insurance and you maximize the cash. And when you do that, your cash will grow tax advantage without losses the rest of your life. And most importantly, it will give you access and control over that money to be able to use to invest in yourself, invest in the market, invest in whatever things that you want. And so essentially, we use this strategy, the and asset, not as an investment strategy, but a a safe place to, to redirect capital where that money will grow safely the rest of my life tax advantage but we also give our clients access over that capital to then reinvest or um, have an emergency account and, and, you know, for times like this, just be able to survive. And so that is like the, the switch with my book is we have to understand that there's two functions as it relates to our money, long-term and short-term, and we want to maximize the efficiency. But to maximize the efficiency, you need to understand these two timelines. And the and asset, what I write about 
is the best way to save and use your money, not invest. But if you can save your dollar and have it grow the rest of your life and also still have access to utilize that dollar throughout your life, now you're giving $1 multiple jobs. And the thesis of my book is the person that can give $1 more than one job will win in the end. What are the caveats? Because obviously whole life insurance can be expensive, right? And so I was reading a statistic recently that when times are tough and times are tough right now, if you have a whole life insurance policy and you've lost your job, well, it's really hard to keep up with that policy. They can be, as I think the average policy is like $800 a month. Any advice or what are some of the things to look out for? Yeah, there are a lot of things to look out for. So number one, flexibility is super important. And, and so within a whole life, there's a required base premium. And then there's, there's other riders like paid up additions riders. And where most people go astray, they don't give you any cash value early on and no flexibility. Well, if you understand the rules of the game, you can create tons of flexibility, meaning you could drop your payment all the way down to zero. And immediately you would have access to capital. The, the biggest difference is, is when you're utilizing a whole life strategy, you want to maximize the cash and minimize the insurance. You, you, and most people, I would say 95% of people do the exact opposite. They're, they're getting expensive life insurance that quite frankly, you're not going to use now. And then you're on the hook for this massive payment. And then times like this make it where you have to cancel your life insurance. And so this, think about this. Unfortunately, it's, we're, it's in the same ballpark because we're using the same companies, but they're totally different contracts. One is a typical contract that most people are talking about. And ours, think of overfunding. Think of reverse engineering what, mm-hmm. what it ultimately meant to, to be. Is it a loophole or this is something that is just overlooked? Um, I would say the fact that when you place your money in here, it will grow tax-free, it can be used tax-free, and it will get passed on tax-free is, is definitely the reason why uh, most banks... Uh, Fortune 500 companies and the wealthy people that I've learned from store a lot of capital in in these contracts. And again, um, when you, when you reverse engineer the way you think about it, you're saving most of your money and you have access to all your money. And yes, I would say if you look at the people that have used this, it has been used as one of these savings tax free loopholes. That's legal, um, but has there has been some changes made in history because there's been people that have taken advantage of it. We'll see, we'll see what changes in the future. But as of right now, it is definitely the greatest place to save and use your money. And the money grows, I would assume, at a better rate than putting it in a bank account. So, so right now we're looking at a um, long-term growth rate of anywhere from like three and a half to four and a half actual tax-free growth. You have to consider the insurance costs. Like a lot of people that talk about products, like you have to look at everything. But, but the thing that I, that I point people to is, yes, it might, let's just say three and a half percent tax-free growth. Well, you have to factor in taxes to that, which might bump it up to five and a half, six percent, which is not going to change your life, by the way. But, but if you see that as a savings alternative and you still have capital and your money gets to grow at the same time, that's where, that's where the light bulb moment came on for me is I could save my money. Yes, it's not going to change my life. Like a four and a half percent tax-free growth rate over my lifetime is not going to be a life-changing event, but it is if my money will grow and I can use that money to potentially invest in my business, which by the way, we've, we have 11 people on our team and we have a ton of marketing and there's so many areas that we're going to be reinvesting in that now my dollar is doing two things. And not only am I getting a better rate of return 
that in my savings account, but my money is continuing to grow even, even though I'm, I'm using it. And that's, that's the, that's the, that's the quote unquote secret is over, over a long period of time, this is definitely a more efficient way when you look at long-term and short-term. My head's going to explode a little bit, not too much, but I just, I think this is a good place to sort of take a pause and say, if you want more information on this, uh, you can go to Caleb's website, Better Wealth Solutions. Let's go back to what you're feeling right now was as far as the economy. I mean, we were talking before we were recording that you you feel like this is going to be a long, difficult yeah. road. And you yeah. were... You were what, fourteen during the Great Recession? Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. So yeah. this is technically your first adult recession. What makes you think this is going to be an even harder recovery than say the one we had ten years ago? Well well, number one, you look at the amount of people that are that are losing their jobs and and you just look at the you look at all the things that are going to come down the, the pike and, and then you look at the uncertainty. Like the market, you and I both know this. The market is essentially a, you know, a rhythm of certainty. And, and right now there's just a, a lack of uncertainty. And when this whole thing gets figured out, the next question is, is it actually figured out? Like for those of us who have older, you know, grandparents, parents, like there's a lot of fear right now. And when people are, are afraid there, there's not like, we don't necessarily want to spend money. And so what I've noticed is there there's been like, this has hit a ton of companies across the board, including ours, by the way. And people are just really on the sideline. And when this whole thing comes back, it gets back to quote unquote normal. It, it, it's, it put, it's going to take a, a, a long time to get, to get back to uh, what that looks like because of the safety of, of losing our life. Where you look back in 2008, we had, we had a, a banking crisis, which definitely hurt hurt the economy, but it didn't, it didn't like wipe us out across the board. Like every sector, except unless you're like zoom, um, or a, like a technology sector right. is like, this is affecting everybody. And, and, uh, you know, that's, that's just my two cents. And, and I look at the behavior that's going on. And then I also look at the lack of savings that we have and the debt that we have. And I just, the, the sad reality is most people because of lack of savings are being put in a really tough situation. And I don't necessarily see us going back to work in the next month and everything going back to normal. So you take this lack of savings, this increasing debt and uncertainty, and you mash that all together. And that's where I think um, this is going to be, this, this is just going to be the beginning, unfortunately. Right. And I mean, really a threat to the most vulnerable, which is small businesses, Single fam, single par- single parent families, people who didn't have savings accounts, people fifty percent of Americans who are living paycheck to paycheck. If you're rich, if you have cash in the bank, if you're a Microsoft or a Google, yeah, this is hurting you, but it's not hurting you as bad as like the local coffee shop. So much of our economy runs on entrepreneurs, yep. small business owners. Where do you see the light? You're optimistic by yeah. virtue of being a young person. You have probably you look through life through a more optimistic lens than most, but also you come to this with a lot of experience. And so where do you see opportunities? Where do you see some light? Love that question, by the way. And one of the things that I've been reminding everybody that we serve, including the people on my team, is ROR for us, it doesn't actually stand for rate of return. ROR stands for return on result. And I think this time, while it's devastating, 
I, the light that I see is I'm, I'm really hoping that people get super clear on what they want out of life. Like the, the fact of the matter is most people don't know what that is. Most people were in caught up in a job that they may have hated or, or maybe doing a business that they felt stuck in, or maybe doing an investment strategy that they were told to do because that was the greatest rate of return that they could get. But you and I, like you and I both know that you can't spend a rate of return and what we should do with our money and time should ultimately back up the life that we want to live. And so where I think this is going to be like where I, I'm extremely optimistic is during this tough time, I think we're really going to get clear on what really matters to us. And then my hope is that when we're stuck in our homes, literally, and we're figuring out, like we look at our time and our talents and the money that we have, it, we can, we can, we can start asking like, how can I use my money? How can I use my time in a way that can give me the, the life that I want to live now? Stop, like I, be, I think being young gives me perspective. Like I don't want to wait till 65 to live yeah. a quote unquote retirement. Like why can't we start living a better wealth life now? And it's, it's, it's interesting Farnoosh, because one of the things that we did at our company, better wealth is we got super clear that we are helping people create more certainty so that they can live a more intentional life now and in the future. And I, and I, and I feel like this is get, hitting the pause button for so many people. And when this thing does get back to normal, which potentially could be a while from now, my hope is that people won't just go right back into the regular routine and very much be zombie-like, but that we can be more intentional with the things that truly matter. So while this is a really bad time, my hope is that people can start getting clarity on what their, like what, what their ideal life really looks like. And that is better wealth to me, by the way. It has nothing to do with what you do with your money, whether you take, read my book or do someone else's, like, as long as you're living an intentional life, that for me is a win. It's, it's a real privilege to be able to live your life as in, in a way that is not reactive, right? Like you feel like you're constantly reacting to what life throws at you as opposed to being in the driver's seat. But I'll tell you one thing, Caleb, I miss normal. Yes, me too. I miss me normal. I miss just being able to leave my house and go to the grocery store and not be afraid of contracting a virus. Totally. And, and you know, like, you know how much I love people. Like you saw that firsthand. I'm dying inside, by the way, uh, being stuck in my house. I love speaking. Like I'm dying inside for, and yeah, I'm with you. When you look back at the 2009 recession, what was born out of that, which was a positive thing, was a lot of entrepreneurship. And there was actually a phrase called necessity entrepreneurship. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it was kind of a term that was coined around that time. People were not able to go back to a nine to five. It just wasn't a, 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 a plausible direction. There were no jobs. And so whether they liked it or not, they had to start their own businesses. And I guess in the end, it was a, a good thing. Who, who doesn't want to be their own boss? I see that repeating now where we're going to have a lot of necessity entrepreneurs. One of the things that I'm seeing that I'm hoping will be a behavior that we that we do as a country is save more because when you look at companies and when I when I said earlier that I think this is going to be worse like have we seen like we've seen a ton of companies affected a ton and we and we've also seen that most people personal personally and and business wise companies are running off of a month to 60 days cash flow. And my hope is that we as a country and we as a people, and especially the people listening to this, can, can be motivated to want to save more and be okay with their money not being uh, super active 
but like having that reserve, because I believe that that reserve is, is going to give the certain people that really take advantage of times like this, it's going to give them the ability to 10 X their money. And it's one of those things that you can't necessarily see on a time. Like it's, it's not like this compounding curve. It's, it's times of opportunity that you can use control, um, over your time and money to really take advantage, but it also gives you peace of mind. So that is, that is a message that I'm, I'm sharing a lot during this time is, is number one, praising people that have it. And number two, if you don't, that's fine. But like knowing that whether we have another something like this happen in our country, or if it happens to you personally, um, even though I'm young, I've seen a lot of this happen in business or, or in, in personal, in people's personal lives and want to make sure that people, um, just have a really good understanding of the importance of an emergency account. Yep. Saving is fashion. I, I predicted this in my newsletter last week. I had some financial predictions. Um, one was that if you don't have a six-month savings account, well, that is so last season. This is hopefully going to be the sort of thing that we will be proud to talk about just as much as we're proud to talk about our luxury items, our vacations, our beautiful homes. Like, mm. I also have an emergency account. Like, that is all, actually, at the end of the day, the only thing that matters. <laughs> I 100% agree. Is there anything that you find yourself negating right now, like advice that you were giving pre-COVID about your money, things to do, and now you're like, you know what, I'm going to tweak that because the world is changing. And so the financial advice that I was um, prescribing to and delivering, it's not super appropriate anymore. Yeah, that that's a great, that is a great question. And I will say... What, what makes me unique is coming from the banking world, I usually, when you're young, the typical, uh, it, I, I would say the stereotype is like taking a lot of risk. And I was like, I think I might have come out of the womb a little bit like a 40-year-old man. Like, uh, So I will say that I would be, I was pretty wishy-washy when I would tell people, like I would, I would have this phrase, like, you are your greatest asset. So make sure to invest in yourself, which I think is, I think is a good piece of advice, big picture, but like, what does that actually mean? <laughs> you know, like, okay, Caleb, like, thank you. What does that actually mean? And, um, is really getting practical in this time, getting clear on like, okay, where are you currently at with, with your, with your finances and what is going to be that one thing? that moves the needle. And so I've, I've taken that general advice and, and, and now became more specific and saying, okay, what is that asset based activity? Which in other words, what is that one thing that you can do with your time or money that can help you get closer to the kind of results that you want to live? And, and then instead of this wishy-washy, like, oh, the number one investment you can make is in yourself, rah, rah, rah. It's like, no, okay, what is the number one thing that you can do with your time or your money that can help you get closer to the kind of life that you want to live. And that's, that's been, that's gotten people to start thinking deeper as it relates to what we do with each other's money. Like I'll say this, our business has boomed. Um, I've had the pleasure of working with people in 36 States now, and none of our clients have lost money. And so if you can imagine during this time, like we're not, we're not definitely, we're not like using this and inappropriately, but when this whole thing gets over, we're going to have a message that says none of our clients lost money. And it was because of what we were teaching people pre uh, COVID. And so hopefully that, hopefully that is a good answer. I, I really appreciate that answer. And I'm actually going to start using that on my show. 
Yeah. I mean, I think it's true. A lot of people just kind of throw around that expression, like invest in yourself, but like, what do you mean by that? You know? And (laughs) I think, you know, you only have so many, so much time in the day, so many hours, so many goals. Um, Let's go back to when you were given the responsibility of running that bank uh, when you were 19. Yeah. And isn't that kind of crazy? It is. I, like, I obviously, like, they saw do. something in you. What was the first thing you did? I mean, how did you work your way through that? Yeah. So I was super well loved at, at Community First Bank. It was three branches. And I started when I was 17. And I had the kind of attitude that anyone that came in, like I would, I love to serve people. And I also worked in different departments. And when I was working in the investment department, I, w- I was 18 years old at the time, and I made a mission statement for myself because I read um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And the mission statement went like this, to help people see and reach their highest potential. Like I was like at 18 years old, I could articulate that I wanted to dedicate my life to help people see and reach their highest potential. And the reason I was so passionate about money is so many people are unable to live to their like life's potential because of their lack of understanding of how to use money as a tool. And so I was always kind of like, I had that mindset. And then the guy that was running our investment department took another job. And so the, the CEO, who's like a second father to me, JG, he took over the family bank. It's a fifth generation. And he took over the whole bank when he was 28 years old. So I, I had that going for me. Like it wasn't like that typical, like 65 year old bank CEO that, you know, like we were like really close friends and he took me into his office and he said something super cliche, but it's so, it was so profound. And it's like, quite frankly, gave me the platform to do what I'm currently doing. He said, Caleb, people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And I know that you care deeply for people. I know that you're, you don't know all the things that there is to, that there is with money, but I know that you're going to do the right thing for people. And so with that mission statement that I had, with that permission to truly serve people well, and Simon Sinek's start with why, the concept, I would literally, when people would come into the bank, they would like come in for their annual review, first of all, be like shell-shocked that I was their guy. Like, I, w- I wish I had a GoPro and you could start seeing their faces. And I would, for every single person coming in, I would draw Simon Sinek's golden circle and say, uh, mainly because I didn't know what I didn't know what I was doing, so I, so I I was like I got to buy myself one meeting, um, and I would say I don't care what we do right now, I care why this matters to you, and so every single one person at the bank, I got super clear with why they why this was important to them, and then I would on the back end look at all their investments, work with their people, and figure out what's the best thing to do with their investments, annuities, bank accounts, life insurances, whatever, to help them live the why that they articulated. And that would be like, that's the approach that I had. And we didn't lose a single client during that time, which again, I I can't take full credit for that, but it was really because people knew that I didn't, wasn't the smartest, but they felt understood and they felt listened to when they came in and I worked my butt off like in that season to make sure that people felt cared for. What was your upbringing, Caleb? Tell me about your childhood and what was the moment (laughs) when you realized you had this pension and this appetite for uh, helping people and in particular with their money. Yeah, this is actually, um, I'm also, I also get emotional when I tell the story, but 12 year old Caleb at a camp forgot my only two lines that I needed to remember. And I, at 12 years old, I had like this most embarrassing moment of 
like sounding out my two lines in front of everyone in my in my peer group. And because I was super short for my age, I still struggle with dyslexia and I felt like I was stupid at 12 years old. Like I felt like I was stupid. I didn't let you know, like I was the oldest of six kids actually was homeschooled growing up. And, um, my, my dad has a PhD in molecular biology. Something happened where I didn't get any of his genes. <laughs> so I got my mom's social. Oh, I know genes. that my dad's a PhD in physics. I got a <laughs> yeah. C in physics most days. Right. I can't even spell, uh, biology. And my dad's like, <laughs> I, I just, it's, it's crazy. Um, so I'm like, again, I am ultra aware and self-aware as a 12 year old. I know I'm super short for my age. I can't even read. I feel like I'm a total failure. And my mom goes like, I go to my mom full tears and just, I'm like really frustrated. And she tells me something that I think everyone listening to this can apply to their life. She said, Caleb, with your height, you can't do anything about, i.e. we can't do anything about this, this virus. So don't worry about it. But the things that you can control, like most things in life, like your reading, like your ability to do school, you have a moral responsibility to actually work harder and you have to work harder than the average person. So my biggest blessing was I had to work harder just to get by. And, and so I took that attitude um, and took that to one of my first jobs. And at 15 years old, this is not necessarily the, the most awesome job in the world, but I actually worked at a chicken farm gutting chickens uh, for, for people and making that, that's where I started making my money doing, uh, working at a chicken processing plant. Hmm. And, and I took that mindset. And then when I started getting introduced to money at 15 years old, that's when I started taking this mindset of, okay, things that I can control, which is most things in life. I I'm now starting to make money. And the fact that my money can start working for me is this most amazing thing. And I, I started doing option trading, stock market, 15, 16 years old. And that got me into this whole, um, this whole thing that I'm in, in now. Yeah. It echoes what my, um, my friend Susie says, and she was just on the show, what you can control is always within your power, she says. And right now, what you decide to do with your family, what you decide to put yep. your attention towards, these are your decisions. 100%. And, and I think that's such an important reminder always, but in particular now when we feel like nothing is in our control, right? Totally. Um, Caleb, thank you so much. I'm so happy that we were able to make this happen. I know we've been trying to connect on the podcast for months and I guess this couldn't have come at a better time because we need your wisdom and your optimism now more than ever. Congrats on so much that's happening for you and your clients. We'll have to have you back sometime soon. Maybe once things, I mean, everything's changing so fast. I feel like if I have you on in a month, we'll be talking about all sorts of different things. Right. I really appreciate you and what you're doing. And I, I just want to encourage you, like your message has never been more relevant. And so the fact that I get to share time with you on your show um, means the world. So thank you. To learn more about Caleb, check out betterwealth.com. And his book is called The And, A-N-D, Asset. All this information is on somoneypodcast.com. You can also click on Ask Farnoosh while you're on the website and send me your questions for our Friday episodes of Ask Farnoosh. Keep them coming. We got to know what's on your money mind so we can keep the content as relevant as possible. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Have a great week. Stay indoors, stay safe, stay healthy, stay connected. And I hope your day is so money 